As a driven dentist, you see the world differently. Where some see scarcity, you see abundance. When others want to give up, you keep going. You're building an amazing life of significance. That means you can't rely on ordinary advice from ordinary advisors to get to your goals. You want advice that's going to help maximize your net worth so you can take even better care of the people you love, the causes you care about, and make your dent in the universe. But the fact is, this advice remains hidden because relatively few professionals are well-versed in them, and the extremely affluent don't care to let you know about them. Join us as we pull back the curtain to reveal the often hidden advice and strategies used by today's most successful individuals and families. Welcome to Dental Wealth Nation. Here's your host, Tim McNeely. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to have you here. And, and I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time, energy, effort on coaches, consultants, really working on my business. And, and those resources are abundant, and I know where to turn. But sometimes in my family life, in my personal life, it's a little bit harder to know where to go. And that's why I'm so excited to hear, have Dr. Eric Roman here with us today, because by the time we finish today, you're going to know how to move forward in your personal life and build a life that is just as fulfilling as your business. You're going to have a new way of thinking about what that fulfillment means, but more importantly, you're going to have a place to turn when you're ready for help, when you're ready to build that fulfilling life. And you're going to leave here feeling hopeful and encouraged to do the work so that you can not just have a fulfilling business, but also a fulfilling life. And when it comes to helping business leaders and entrepreneurs do this, I don't know of anyone better than Eric Roman. Eric is an innovator. He's a dentist. He's a husband. He's a father. He's built businesses. He's had a lot of success. He's had a lot of failures. But what I also love about Eric is he has a passion for helping you take back control of your personal lives so that you can have that life of fulfillment. Eric, welcome to the show. What an intro, Tim. I'm still dancing, buddy. Like that <laughs> music hit so hard. It's like my, it's like my soul pulse. Soul. I love it. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, right. It, 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 we need something to motivate us, to keep us going. And, and I know music plays a huge part in, in my life. I love it. it right. The, the the rhythm of life, so to speak. And uh, the business also has a rhythm, too. And, and you've certainly seen that rhythm quite a bit, haven't you? That is the truth, my friend. And, um, you know, and still every day today, you know, uh, new journeys, new experiences. Um, it was funny. I had when I was uh when I was early in early in my career, but I, I, there had been a lot of things that I had done. Somebody said, you know, Eric, when the rest of us are like drinking, like in a little thimble out of the river of life or maybe out of a cup, you drink from like a fire hydrant. <laughs> and uh, and so maybe maybe that's maybe that's an unexpected trait that has uh, that has served my uh, my many evolutions in business. Yeah. Wow. Well, and, and for those of you who aren't familiar, right, you, you have a lot of experience as a, as a dentist, as a DSO founder, as a, as a CEO, and, and now you're really focused on, on prioritizing work-life balance, right? Finding that fulfillment, not just in business, but also in our, our personal lives. And so talk, talk us through and take me through a little bit of your background for those of us who aren't familiar with, with what you've done and, and how you've ended up doing what you're doing right now. Well, I assume most aren't familiar. That's okay. I like it. So let's go on the journey. Um, I I am a dentist. I graduated dental school in uh, 2007, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Yeah. And uh, I was ready 
to do something, but I didn't quite know what. And so I delayed for a year, did a VA-based residency. That was awesome. Serving serving our veterans was actually a really cool experience for me. It was like my intrinsic service. There was a part of me that always wanted to join the military. And my wife was like, uh, I want to control where we live. So, so the VA was my intrinsic service. And um, I jumped out of that into essentially DSO building mode. Um, I started with an associate from, from day zero added our next associate before the end of the first year, did almost 2 million in revenue the first year. Um, in the second year, built another location, grew the first one to, to five dentists and then, uh, then built a second one and then a third one. And um, inside of my first like four years as a dentist, I had built um, three locations and we were doing, I think we were doing like $13 million in revenue like really quickly. Um, but it was also a hot mess you know, and uh, a lot of things that I didn't know, a lot of hubris. Let's be honest, Tim, I probably got lucky. And a lot of things, there might have been some, there might have been some things that I did well, but there were a lot of things I did wrong. And um, one mistake come came back to bite me in the butt. Um, I had, I had signed an agreement with, um, with another company. And um, that ended up violating the Dental Practice Act in the state of North Carolina. And I ended up in a two year lawsuit and lost everything. And so that sucked, <laughs> which again, probably some of that hubris, you know? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. How about that for, how about that for round one? Right. Um, I, yeah. I, how do you get back up from that? I mean, a, a lot of times that just, that beats you up and, and you say, why am I doing this? You know, um, maybe it was because I was young, maybe because I was dumb. Um, I had the thought, like, am I done? I remember there was a point, I forget what year it was. It was probably 20, it was probably 2012, 2011 or 2012. Um, it was in national newspapers. So like people were sharing articles from the San Francisco Chronicle about like this lawsuit and uh, my name was in it. And um, I remember like, I, <laughs> if it's any sign of how well things were going at home at that time, I was not sleeping in my own bed. And I was sleeping in the guest room. Um, and I remember like lying in the guest room the night that all the news hit that like the local newspaper, the national ones. And um, I remember like just crying on my pillow, like sobbing and sitting there and thinking like, what am I going to do? What do I go from here? You know, like what's, what's next. And um, I just made a choice though, Tim, like that's all that it was. Um, I wasn't a going to allow that to be my story. My story wasn't going to end right there. I, I, I mean, I was just a kid, you know, and um, and so I just made the choice that I was going to use this for good and that I was going to let this be an incredible experience for me. And um, and so out of the, the ashes rose a phoenix. Um, over the next five years, I started from scratch. Um, I did everything that I could to support all my existing doctors and my team members, as many as I could support in starting something new, we did. And um, over five years, we grew a new company, a new DSO from zero to about $30 million in revenue. And um, I screwed up a whole bunch of new things in that journey. I, um, you know, in a, out of a desire to look nothing like the, the failures of the first one, I threw out some of the baby with the bathwater. Mm -hmm. I threw out some of the things that we really did well in trying to now please people and look different. 
And uh, that was a hard lesson. I, I almost went bankrupt three times in the second journey. Um, most were my fault. Some were mother nature. We had got hit by three hurricanes in a row or a tropical storm and two hurricanes and shut us down forever. Um, so, uh, but that second journey was very different. You know, uh, we definitely had learned from a lot of those first mistakes. And, um, during that second phase, I transitioned from, you know, being a dentist and being a clinical director and from hiring and training great associates to being a full-time CEO. And, um, you know, what, what's cool about a journey like that, Tim, you know, I, we had, I think we had about 260 or 270 employees at the peak when I decided it was time for me to move on. And, um, what was cool about the journey is like a lot of things in life, the journey that we take forces us to become someone that we aren't. And I remember in my early stages, the last thing I wanted to do was to nurture people, like to manage the last, I, I didn't even have any idea how. And later on now, you know, maybe eight years down the road, I recognize that the only way for our, our company to continue to grow is for me to give almost 100% of my energy to developing and growing and loving on other people. And so um, I recognize like maybe the story, Tim, the macro story as we step back is that you know, when, when we're trying to grow, we're put in situations where we have to change our nature, change the, the, maybe the things that got us to where we are today and to incorporate some new skills to get us to where we want to go tomorrow. And that's probably a cycle that I have run over and over and over again. I'm actually running it again right now. And every time I think the cycle kind of pisses me off. It's like, oh, why do I have to change? Why can't I just keep doing? And every time you always have that thought, what if I just gave up on the growth goals and just chilled out and just did what I'm doing right now? And I think for those of us that like are perpetual growers inside, it's just not acceptable. Like uh, that, that just wasn't an option. So, um, so that was phase two of the journey, Tim. And wow. uh, it was a lot of fun. Wow. Now, right. I, I, what, what's going on in your personal life during the, those times, right? Who are the, the people you're going through to support, you know, I know I bring business home sometimes and I, you know, I've had to learn how to cut myself off and, and, and set time limits with, with what I'm talking about with my wife. I'm like, all right, I need just a couple minutes. Give me three minutes just to complain about the day. And then I won't say anything else, but, but right. You know, I, I need that support of people around me to help me make it through those tough times or, and, you know, and in the past I, I've dealt with, you know, too much drinking or, or other things. So, so how are you coping with a lot of these struggles that you were going through at the time? You know, uh, along that journey, um, five kids showed up. Um, and and that didn't add any stress at all, did it? Gee whiz, none. <laughs> you know, um, but you know what I did, Tim, is I I didn't I didn't like I didn't go to alcohol or something else. I just abdicated responsibility. Hmm. I pretty much um, you know what? Being at home was highly not validating. Uh, crying kids and like a wife that's stressed out that I'm not providing any support to other than putting money in the bank account. Realistically, I woke up most days before my kids and my wife and I came home most days, honestly, when they were already in bed or like shutting down, that wasn't how I wanted things to be. But there was this story that I kept telling, like, but don't you guys understand I'm doing it for you. Mm. I remember there would be those days when it was, um, when it was eight o'clock, 8 PM, and my wife had just given me um, a well-deserved like tongue lashing that week about how I'm never home and I'm never there to help out. And, um, and that patient walks in, you know, like at the root canal build up crowns, $3,000. And I remember making that phone call to my wife and like saying, Hey honey, I know you really want me to come home right now. And I'm really content to do so. I just need you to know 
like I have a patient here that's willing to do $3,000 worth of treatment. Um, and it would just mean it's going to be a couple more hours. And you know what? That was unfair. It was unfair for me to do that because like I was asking her to make the same diluted decision. Well, you know, after all these years we spent with no money whatsoever, like we might as well, we might as well serve money. Like money became our God. Like, and, um, mm -hmm. and so what I did is I told my family, I'm doing this for you so that we can have a day when we'll have more time together because of all these resources we'll have. They never asked me for that. FYI, my, my family never said, daddy, can you give us more resources and more money and bigger houses that they never asked for it? Not once. And, um, but we had decided that that was going to be the journey we were on. And my wife and I, do you know what happened? We were in collusion. Like we were in collusion to destroy our family. Hmm. That even though she wanted nothing more than my support and for me to be home and to be a great dad, um, we were in collusion because she was, she fell for it just the same way I did. And it's what our world feeds us, you know, like more, we're miserable right now, but look at all the value that I'm building. Look at how big this company is, right? Look at all the earthly rewards that we now have. And, um, all that it's cost us is the youth of our children and our sanity. So, um, I'm not proud of those years. Um, I wasn't as present as I wanted to be. It, and my wife, like my wife shouldn't have stuck by me the way that she did. I did. I feel like I did everything I could to try and destroy my family. Mm -hmm. And I did it um, under the guise of validating my business life. Look at how big my company is. Look at how many employees we have and how many dentists we have and how many, how, look at how many patients we serve every year. Look at how much we've changed the fabric of dentistry in our region. Look at how we forced everybody else to change the way that they behave and that they market and that they grow. Um, those valid and, and it, you know what? It wasn't just building a company. I was also building my ego. Um, on the weekends when I could have been home with my family, I wasn't, I was traveling around the country and speaking on stage and taking on consulting gigs, you know, because everybody's saying, Oh, Eric, this is so cool. Uh, and, um, and it's like, Oh, Eric, this is so cool. Or, screaming kids and like non-validating life. Hmm. You know, go stand on stage and stay in nice hotels and have wonderful meals on the weekend or like change diapers. And, um, so I'm not proud of the choices that I made, but they were the choices that I made. Uh, the good news is I guess for better or for worse, those, those choices eventually came back to bite me and break me. Wow. Well, thank you for, for sharing that, right? It's so personal, but but it's also a journey I think a lot of us have, have been on. And so so I appreciate that that authenticity and, and vulnerability there. And 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 you know, and you touched on those lies that, that you were telling yourself, right? You were measuring some good metrics, right? Like impact on patients, those are good things to, to measure, but not necessarily at the impact and the cost of, of other things. And so, you know, in your work now, you talk about kind of uncovering some of those lies in, in work-life balance that, that we often believe. Can you elaborate on some of those work-life balance lies that, that we as professionals often buy into? Yeah, sure. You know, um, well, let, let's just look at my journey. Where, why was I stuck where I was stuck? Um, so the first lie, the first lie that society wanted to support, my business partners wanted to support, everybody did, if I rebalance my life and I quote, give more to my family and change things, inevitably it's going to damage my business. Hmm. We're not going to make as much money. Why would one of my business partners want me to do that? Why would one of my business partners, if the lie was true, right? And if I 
by rebalancing my life was uh, was going to take away from their income. Well, that's not a good idea. So that's one of the lies. And um, and you know, so so summarizing the lie to be to be what you might want to be inside your home, you have to give up something inside your business. That's the lie, right? That's mm -hmm. lie number one. And um, then there's the then there's the exact opposite of that. We all have business goals. And so then there's the opposite lie. In order to have what you want in your business, you must give up something in your life. Hmm. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a brutal lie inside of itself, right? Like it yeah. preys upon what that essentially means. It, it, the, the essence of that lie is you can't have the business you want if you don't sacrifice inside your personal life. And there's a lot of people like how many, how much stuff do we see on the internet right now? Like supporting that. Um, it's a lie. It's a choice. It's an option. Can you have great success by sacrificing your personal life? Heck yes. You know, you, you can absolutely, if you want to not be present for your, dude, look at Elon Musk, right? Like um, we all hear the stories about like Elon's like rough home life or his absence. The fact that he sleeps at his office most nights and uh, look at how much he's accomplished. We're validating the lies by doing stuff like that. So um yeah, the, the marketplace rewards it in a sense. It does. Yeah, you know, we what do we glorify? We glorify hustle, grind, like put in all that, like like crush your personal life. You'll you'll have time for that stuff in the future. Here's what I learned: like, I never got back the days that I missed with my family. You never get it back. Not a single one of them. You can't make up for a day that you've missed with another day downstream. And there's an even bigger lie inside of it. Mm. If, if, so what we're really saying is who do you, what are you serving most? What is your priority? Let's be honest. If we were to measure our primary application of energy, the vast majority of our best energy goes to our business, right? Like we're not lying. We all know it's the truth. And so what you're saying is, well, here's the deal. I'm going to give all my best energy. I'm going to create a pattern and a habit and a lifestyle of focusing everything in this space. But then later on, I'm going to turn it off and all of a sudden go give my energy to my family and my time there. That's really logical. Totally makes sense in, in, in one way, but it's another fallacy in the other. Like, how do you think you're going to turn off something you've been doing for 25, 30, 35 years and go shift and change directions to something totally different? No, business lives are professional lives are supremely validating in every way. And it's really easy to get rid of the pains there. Personal lives aren't validating. My kids, like when they're doing stupid stuff, they're devalidating. You know, marriages aren't super validating. How do you keep score that things are working in your marriage? How do you keep score in your business? How you see your revenue, right? Or whatever is going on. How do you keep score in your marriage or with your kids? Yeah. Like not right. even the scores are easier to keep in the business world, right? You, you almost see the, yeah, right. You can stay late and you can do that crown and you got the yeah. extra three grand in your account. It's like, you can see that and measure it. I but won, I won three grand in my business mind and I paid an even bigger price at home. But my wife and I, because we could both see the $3,000, it was tangible. It was yeah. obvious. And yet what we did is we grew further apart and we had to then spend a decade trying to rebuild our marriage, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, like those are three really big lies, three really big lies and fallacies that we fall into. And, you know, a lot of people are thinking right now when they hear this too, they're like, ah, like 
I might be okay with those lies. You know, I might be okay with that. But at the end of the day, you know, one thing that one thing that started to hit home with me along the journey, like I was as I was waking up, I, I recognized I was making a choice. I recognized that like I had some kids where I missed all the plays. I missed all the events. I missed all the things because I was working and hustling. And I wasn't ever going to, my oldest daughter, I was never going to get those days back. Like she had already passed through that phase. She was on to new things. And, um, and she, and it was actually her ninth birthday, you know, and I, I say I was an absentee father, but I still did my best. I made the most of the little time that I have with my kids. And so I would do, I started building in like meetings, one-on-ones and check-ins with my kids. And I remember on my oldest daughter's ninth birthday, she said, um, dad, I, I asked her, how am I doing as your dad? What do you need more of? What do you need less of? Uh, and she said, dad, I love you. I'm closer to mom, but I feel like I'm more like you and I'm getting to a point in my life where I need more of you mm-hmm. and you work so hard. You're at home a whole lot and you tell us, and I love that you're doing it for us to have more memories together in the future, but I'm nine and in nine more years, I won't even live in our house anymore. I'll be out of the house. So when are we actually going to make the memories? Holy crap. She nailed the whole thing. She nailed the whole thing because when you miss all those, your kids move. We, we are, our duty is to get our kids out of our houses, right? So when we're sacrificing all that time and all the stuff and not being present as parents for a future day, when we have more time, it's not going to be me having time with them that they're off somewhere else. She nailed it. She's like, dad, if we don't spend time together now, when are we going to have better, better, better time together? She's, she's, she was right. I was lying to myself. And that was my like critical moment, Tim, where I said, I'm, I'm not, I say that my time and my energy with my family is more important than my business, but my actions say something totally different. And so how do I now rectify it? You know? So end of phase two. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, right. And, and it's easy to, to measure the things we value. Take a look at your calendar and your, your bank account. That will tell you what you truly value. How do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? It's it's all there in, in black and white for you to to look at. And so so how do you start start making that shift? Let, let's say you do find yourself in that position where you know like mm-hmm. I, I, this just isn't working. I I am I'm, I'm doing the hustle. I'm doing the grind, and like the business stuff is working. But but I know I'm neglecting the the relationships that matter and the the people that matter and the causes that I really care about. How do you start changing that? Well, I can tell you how to do it wrong. Let me tell you how to do it wrong. You know, um, I've been I've been in this space now for I don't know seven years, and I've met uh, I have met in mastermind groups a lot of entrepreneurs who have been in the exact same journey. It's so funny because like when you find, it's almost like it's a phase of entrepreneurship for a lot of entrepreneurs. They build, then they realize they failed inside of their build and they miss something, and now they have to like figure out the new thing. And and so where I was. I believed I was trapped. There was no way that I could stay in the business that I was in and still figure out a way to honor my family the way that I wanted to. I believe I was in a trap and there was only one way out. And this is what a lot of us come to. And we have to exit it. We have to get rid of the thing. We have to hit control, alt, delete. We have to do all that stuff. And so that's what I did. I told my my partners, you know, they weren't really excited about it. And, and But we figured out a way and it was a two-year process for me to get out of it. And um, so I exited and it didn't solve crap. (laughs) 
you know, now, now, now what I had is I had an unlimited amount of free time and I had some money in my bank account, but I still didn't have a relationship with any of the people in my family and I didn't know how to see that was the whole problem the entire time, Tim, we're whenever we, whenever we have something that's not working in our personal life, we try to solve it with our business life. I feel like I need more time with my family. So if I make twice as much money next year, then I'll spend time with my family. No, it doesn't work that way. Then you make, I, I actually helped entrepreneurs do this for years. They would double their income. Then they'd be like, ah, I think I need to double my income again. Then I'll be happy and have more time. Nope. It's this hamster wheel cycle that we just continue going through over and over again. You can't solve issues in your personal life with solutions in your business. It just doesn't work. And the truth is, where does somebody show us how to have great, incredible experiences in our personal life systematically? How, where is the system that says, oh, this is how to experience personal joy. This is how you have great relationships with your partners, with your friends, with your with your children. This is, um, this is how you build great financial health. I know a guy that talks about that. This is how you live a life of purpose, right? There's no rules for that, but there are consultants to help us build bigger businesses. Like, and so that was the problem that I ran into. Mm -hmm. And that was like my, that was my journey. We solved for it by getting out of the business. It didn't work. And so now I had to sit there and say, what do I do? Counsel <coughs> buying a, a counselor, we tried that. That didn't help. You know, it was very slow, not systematic. I mean, it helped. I'm not saying counseling is bad. It just wasn't the solution that I was looking for because um, it was high energy, right? It was high emotion. And it was something that like I had to keep going back to every single week. You know, I needed something that fit into my life and that was lower energy and yet like provided a sustainable solution for me. So yeah, that was, and, and Tim, I had a dollar for every other entrepreneur that I've run into now that experienced the same thing that was like, Hey, I wasn't happy. I was building the business. I tried a bunch of things to make the business bigger and it was bigger. And now I still wasn't happy. So I exited the business looking for happiness. And I just found that I actually was less happy and I kind of wish I had the business back. Yeah. I, I I've got a dollar here to give you for that. Cause right. I, I've gone through that too, you know, in the last you know couple of years myself, where right, you reach a certain level of growth and you realize things just aren't working the way you want. And you realize like, you know, you, you've built up enough wealth where you realize I don't have to do this anymore. So I'm just going to get out. I, and, and we do, we, 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 you know, we really try to solve those personal problems through our business. And sometimes we try to solve it by exiting the business. Right. And if you do that, you've still got all the same problems, just no business. Which is a new problem and yeah. actually a bigger problem. So I want you to think about what that means. The one constant that I'd had in my life, the one thing that provided my validation, let's be honest, it was my only identity. Who mm -hmm. was Eric Roman absent being the founder and CEO and the dentist? I had no freaking idea. Tim and like, I had been living my life in a weird way, following everybody else's notions, what I thought my parents wanted me to be, what I, I could hear my dad's voice, my mom's voice, my grandfather's voice. And then I could hear the voices of my instructors and of society and of the books and all the people that are telling me, if you build a big business, then you'll be happy. Like, and, and from the outside, everybody's like, oh, this is great. And on the inside, I feel like this sucks. So when I let go of my business, I lost my identity. I lost the one thing that was giving me positive validation 
and I still had every single one of the problems between me and my family and 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 I was absent the joy that I thought I was pursuing. That sucked. Yeah. 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 From bad to worse. Right? <laughs> Sucker. Yeah, I, I, and right. So so how do we start working on these things? Because is there a systematic way to do it? Because you know, as entrepreneurs, a lot of times we just kind of jump off the cliff, we build our wings on the way down and and everything just kind of works out because that that's who we are as entrepreneurs, right? We're risk takers, we're we're innovators, but we're not necessarily always good at at asking for advice and bringing in the the right people to solve those problems. We try to solve it all ourselves and Sometimes we have to learn the hard way. So, so is there a way to actually start learning these lessons without having to make all the mistakes? Well, I'd like to say there is now, Tim. You yeah. know, um, my journey in business, like my journey in business wasn't linear. I ran into points along the way where I was ready to give up multiple times. And in one of those inflection points, um, uh, I was introduced to EOS, the book Traction by Gino Wickman, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. A lot of people are really big fans of EOS or other similar operating systems like scaling up. And the long story short, what those operating systems did is they moved businesses from a position of chaos to a position of clarity, provides rules and structure. First, we do this. Have you done it? No, like then do this. Then we're going to do this. Then we're going to do this. And it provides not just a structure, but also then rhythms, rhythms where we come back to these important questions on a, on a regular sequence and we start to build momentum into the equation like okay like let's focus on the right things folks and it was transformational for my business actually i built other businesses using those 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 things as time's gone on and um and there's like i mean there's there's tens of thousands of people that have had similar positive experiences what i realized in that moment i was like okay when my business was like dead like my family is right now an operating system to give me rules and to give me rhythms was what i needed where's the operating system for my family? Where's the like, or, or for me, for my personal life, right? Where's the operating system for what's inside of me so I can see my own identity and become the man that I've wanted to be forever. And, um, and there wasn't one. And so uh, part of my journey from that point forward for the next years was building my own, was building an operating system inside of my family to, and testing stuff to get the results that we want to get. And, um, and then building, and then I realized after I built my family one, that there was still something missing. My kids needed an operating system for them as individuals, and I needed one for me, just me as a human. My wife needed one, and so that was really the journey that we went on. And like anything in our lives, like we're so busy, we need something to be effective and efficient. We don't need like I don't need another twenty-eight hour course on like how to do this. Um, I don't need to fly to Timbuktu and like. I need, I need the answers and I need them now. And so that was actually the origin and the birth of one life. Um, our one life system is the first like all encompassing operating system from us as individuals. And, and it spreads to us in our, our, our marriages or partnerships. And it spreads then from there to our families. Hmm. And, um, it's almost like, it's like our source code, Tim. It's like starting from the place that matters most. You know, I talk about how we applied our best energy to our businesses. Oh, and then we're like, crap, I needed to give some energy to my family, but I didn't have any left. So we go to 125. We're like, okay, I'm give my family my extra time and I'm going to grind, you know? And then there's this other spot where we're like, oh, by the way, should I take care of myself and give myself a little energy? Like, ah, 
screw this guy. He can rest when he's dead. And that's how we operate our lives. Is that you? Is that like anybody listening right now? Are you giving all your best energy, all your time to your business, giving overtime that little bit to your family and then not giving yourself anything? That's most of us on the journey of life. That that almost, that's like Earth's, that's like Earth's plan for you. Like, here's what our society dictates, go do this. And what we built was we took that pyramid and we flipped it. And we said, listen, like, and it doesn't seem logical because the first thing people are thinking, wait, if you flip that pyramid, how is my business going to get as much as it? But, but it's a paradox. The paradox is when you, you don't need a whole lot to nourish your soul. Like you don't need a whole lot to nourish your energy, but what would it feel like? And how different would you be if you were actually fed and you were well cared for? And from the overflow and abundance of your energy now, you gave from an abundance to your family. And guess what? They don't need that much time. They don't need a whole lot. And then from the abundance and the overflow of energy from them, then you gave to your business. And what entrepreneurs tell us time, even, even entry-level team members, they tell us time and time and time again, it's weird. When I reversed the order of operations, I had more energy to give in my professional life every single time. And along the way, I'm fulfilled. My family's fulfilled. Oh, yeah. And my business is getting more. Golly, that's a great recipe. Yeah. Right. It reminds me a lot of being on a, an airplane and the, the cabin loses pressure. You got to put the oxygen mask on yourself first because you got to do that self-care so that you can serve everyone else around you. And, and, and as entrepreneurs, so often we're so busy serving and giving and growing that we forget to take care of ourselves. Dig into that for just another moment because you nailed it. That's the analogy we give all the time with it. People are so resistant. Um, you know, awesome. Awesome uh, guy, high-level VIP in a in a in a dental company here in Utah. In Utah, and um, he said the same thing. He's like, I feel like I can't give to myself. Like I feel like it's gonna cost me something elsewhere, and that it's not reasonable. And we talked about the thing with the oxygen. And you know what the interesting thing is with the oxygen? Do you know the other reason they do that is because nobody does. It doesn't take long for you to put the mask on yourself. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever dies in the like 2.3 seconds that it took you to put on the oxygen mask for yourself first. But a lot of people died when they tested it and you were putting on helping somebody over here and then helping somebody over there. And then you went hypoxic and passed out in the time before it took you to get to your own. So it was, a, it's like this really weird comparison that works so well when you get all that they did in that is they got the order of operations right. And when the order of operations was right, nobody died. Yeah, right. You, you actually, you flourish and you can save lives and continue to have that impact. It, it's so true. And the, the other analogy I, I often use, and I discovered myself, you know, this about myself is, is, you know, really working on building resilience and that ability to keep going. Yeah. And, and there's a major difference between camel and horses. If you're crossing the desert on a horse, that horse is going to give you some clues that it's wearing out and it's going to start slowing down. And that, that horse is going to be like, Hey, I need some water. I'm not moving as quickly anymore. Mm -hmm. And you're going to know that that horse is needs some care. Yep. A camel on the other hand is going to keep going and going and going. And then it's just going to drop dead. Dude, uh, 
just a side note, my family freaking loves camels. We did a we did a month in the Middle East last year. Nice. And we rode and saw camels at every corner and like camel sound. They're, they're just the absolute coolest animals. Yeah. But you're right. They give of themselves and then they just drop it. Yeah. And I think once again, we as entrepreneurs are very much like that, right? We don't take that time. And then all of a sudden everything cracks because we didn't take that time for self-care and, and right. And, and, you know, so I know. Why? Great point, Tim. Yeah. Why? So, so if you're listening right now and somebody's sitting there and they're saying, yeah, yeah, you know, that's me. I don't, I don't take time for, for self-care or I work out one day a week or whatever else, you know, or whatever it might be. Why? What is, I, ask yourself that question. What's the story that you're telling yourself about why you don't deserve the self-care or it should be at the bottom of the totem pole, right? The bottom yeah. of the order of operations and really sit in that and ask that question. Like, is it just something I believe? Is it actual hard physical truth? Or is it something that I just don't have any other example or any other way to solve for it? Nobody's shown me any other way. Again, like, society's rules say that's what you do is that what you've been listening to you know huh yeah. i don't know yeah right I, I, as i sit with it i i know some of the things right it comes down to what do we really believe mm -hmm. uh, and, and and i know that's the battle i fight is i have to work myself up and say no this actually is valuable this is worth doing like pausing before the day starts, taking some time to journal, taking some time, like that actually matters. Even though I'm not seeing the results right here, right now, I can't measure it right here in this moment. It actually is a long-term investment, but you've got to get in that mindset and you've got to retrain your mind to actually believe that thing is true. Because I don't think a lot of us truly believe it's true. If we did, we'd be doing it. Totally. You're absolutely right, Tim. And, um, I think that I think that we're hitting the nail on the head there. Maybe people have some other stories that they've told themselves. Maybe they have some examples. Maybe we're, uh, you know, a lot of us are trying to prove somebody wrong in life, you know, or prove somebody right, whatever it might be. But um, end of the day, end of the day, we've swallowed a story hook, line, and sinker. Mm -hmm. And um, you and I are saying right now, we both think it's a lie. Like we yeah. don't think that story is true. My hope today is maybe some other people will sit there and say, okay, I don't want that story to be true anymore. If there's another way, show me what it is, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so when you start working with, with people and, and taking them through this, this one life system, what does that look like? Right. Where do you even start with all of this? Do you know, do you know what we do, Tim? Like you got to have a really low barrier to entry with stuff like this. Like, um, first off, not everybody in the world is the right audience for something like this. Um, we have to really want it. And so, you know, what we do is we just get together for two days and we build in a lot. We build a lot of value. Um, as much of this is about building a community as it is about building your pathway for your future, you know, for a future that's different than your past. And um, how good might it feel to surround yourself with people that are also no longer following those same lies, you know, that are like, okay, crap. I've decided I'm not going to live by those lies anymore. I'm going to live... I'm going to live in the truth of the fact that I can take care of me and I can take care of the people that I love and I can still have a freaking amazing business and maybe even give more to it and get further and farther than I ever thought possible. That's actually secret question, Tim. Is it possible that the rate limiter in your business is actually the fact that you're burning so hard and you aren't giving what you need to, to yourself and you aren't giving what you need to the people you love pause. We'll go back out of that. So, um, 
what we do is we just do a two-day event, a two-day event where we really work through. We have a lot of cool frameworks that are really simple for people to work through. Cool frameworks that allow us to look what really, here's a question. What are the components of you being happy and joyful inside of your life? Interesting question. If our society knew as a whole, we wouldn't be nearly as miserable or as lonely as we are right now. So clearly we don't know the answer. I'd like to believe I know the answer. And so we walk people through some of these frameworks that allow you to look at the other pieces of your life. See, when the critical pieces, the four critical pieces of your life, when they're being, your needs are being met and you're being cared for there, turns out you're typically pretty freaking happy. Like you're in a great place, you know, when you're living and doing something of purpose, when you're, when your financial needs are met, when your body and your mind are in great shape and you have incredible relationships, things are really freaking cooking. It's really hard to screw things up if those are all working. But when we take our eye off the prize and when we stop focusing on those areas, guess what happens? One of them starts to break. And I learned in my life that whenever one thing inside my life broke, it was like the beginning. Everything broke right after it. You know, when my body broke because I wasn't caring for it, all of a sudden I'm yelling at my wife, <laughs> you know, when uh, or when things are really hard at home um, in, in some of my relationships, I all of a sudden I'm not giving time to the other things that need me. So the, there's power in a understanding the components of our lives, B, what energy we want to give to those components and what things that we can do that fit into our life to help us make progress. Um, and then, and then the next thing is like moving from creating a vision for who I want to be and how I want to live to turning it into a velocity of how I get there. And, uh, we have some really easy and really simple tools to turn it into velocity. You know, mm. I guess another question, like at the end of the day, the only expense of our system is that you take more or less of one day every 90 for yourself. Can you cut your quarter down from 90 days to 89? Give that one day to yourself every quarter, knowing that this is the fuel that's going to get you to where you want to go and help you live with harmony in your life. Like what a small price to pay, you know, yeah. one day, one day of every 90 you commit to yourself and the outcomes are extraordinary and sustainable. That's actually the cooler part is that um, what the system really provides, Tim, is it provides a sustainable life. It doesn't mean your life is going to be like always great, but you're going to have tools to keep yourself on target and moving in the right direction when the crap comes in. You're going to have people, a community to share it with, a community of like-minded individuals that aren't going to let you fail and that aren't going to leave you alone. I mean, it's that power of accountability that moves the needle for so many of us. I'm lazy, dude. So I don't even know how in the world I've built nine businesses and like done anything in life. Because And my parents told me all the time when I was a kid, they were like, you are so lazy. You're like, and I learned how to turn laziness into efficiency. I learned how to trick myself into success. I learned that I needed accountability. I need a VA who every day is like, Eric, you didn't get that done for me yesterday and you promised me. You're going to get it done today before you do anything else. And I'm going to start pulling things out of your calendar until you do. Got it. Okay. <laughs> you know, I had to I learn. You learn pretty quickly that way, don't you? Darn right you do. And, um, and you know what? I was becoming the person I wanted to be. That was it. You know, yeah. I mean, call it a trick. It's fine. I'm all up for that. You know, yeah. so uh, long story short, that's what our one life system creates. It's low touch. You show up for a two day event. You decide whether it's for you or not. And then after that, if you, if you choose to do so, 
it's like one day of every 90, you commit the energy to just checking in and making a slight adjustment and seeing where you are. Because sometimes we're in a really crappy place and we need people to hear us out and to hold space for us and to hold space for the energy that's inside. Sometimes we're in a great place and we have a lot of energy to give to other people and to help them on their journeys. It's kind of cool the way the balance works. I, I love that. And, and, you know, as you were talking about all this, there, there's also another little, you know, almost ironic part in this too, right? Is as dentists as, and as entrepreneurs, our incomes are, are pretty strong. And, and, and I bring that up because they've done studies in terms of how much money do you actually require to be happy? Yeah. And that number is surprisingly low. It's about 120 grand a year. So, so let, let's up it for all of us to 200 grand a year. Right beyond that, it's diminishing returns, and so you know, at two hundred thousand, you can get a house, you can provide for your kids, you can eat out and take vacations. So, like, the money piece, as hard as we grind and we work on that, and we struggle for more. The truth is, we probably already have everything we need for that piece to be fulfilled. And so, why are we killing all the relationships in our lives to make a little bit more money? You know, what's interesting is um, like my, my adage is that once you reach that point where you have enough money, then it becomes an intrinsic journey of accepting mm -hmm. the next phase of happiness. Like, I mean, yeah, like it's really hard to be happy when you don't have food in your, like, mm -hmm. or your tummy. But once we reach that point, then um, the problem is that we were trained up to there. Well, I'm going to be happy when I have more money. So now I'm not happy. So I need more money. It's almost like this tipping point where we should like pause it and say, okay. Time out, little fella. Like, you think you need more money now. No, this is time for you to go on the new journey, the intrinsic journey of finding happiness within yourself and learning how to create healthy relationships and a healthy life. Then once you, once you have arrived at that, then we'll let you make more money again because then that money has a different value. Yes. Then that money is used in a different way. It's used to create more. It's used to perpetuate more. It's used honestly for society and for others so much more. Mm -hmm. And oddly enough, the people that I know that get this right, a lot of them have almost like an immeasurable ability to build wealth. It's because they don't need it for their happiness anymore. It's because they've disconnected it from it. And it's now a tool that they're using for other types of impact and other types of things. So yeah, you're. Uh, it's so true. I teach that all the time as well. You know, and it's interesting. You look at different studies and you get different numbers. But they all say the same point. You reach a point of diminishing returns. You know who got it right? You know who nailed this? P. Diddy. P. Diddy nailed it. He said, mo money, mo problems. Right? Yeah, 100%. And I mean, he was so right with it. I am at my, my wife says to me all the time, you know, she says, you know, do you remember those early years? Like when you were just out of school and in residency and we thought that like the $35,000 a year we were getting was like gold. Like we were living like kings. She said, those were, in a lot of ways, our most fun years mm. because there was a simplicity to life that was lost as we made more money and bigger houses and more cars, more mouths to feed, more things to do. Like things got really complicated. I took a vacation just this month that cost more than I made in my early career, right? Like things get complicated. There's a lot of moving parts. So, um, hmm. Interesting the way that it works, Tim. Mo yeah. money, mo problems. It's so so true, and uh, yeah, we, we really are blessed, and 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 we have to find the right KPIs, right, the right key performance indicators to measure, yeah. because I think as our success grows, the wrong KPI is how much money is in the bank account. That problem, that one probably shouldn't be measured as much. You certainly want to pay attention to it, but 
I think there's other more important ones to look at. Tim, that's one of the focuses of our pro of our program is that we help people to identify the right KPIs, uh, just a simple few that are going to get them. It, it, it's one thing to have a KPI. This is the businessman in me speaking. It's one thing to have a KPI and hit your target with it, but did it turn into what you needed it to turn into in your company? So mm -hmm. I'll say it a different way. It's one thing to have a KPI. It's one another thing to hit it, but did you get the result that you wanted, or do you just pat yourself on the back and say, "I hit my KPI"? Yeah. And um, you know, so the right thing is, what is the leading KPI? What are the leading KPIs? The things that I can measure and do on a daily basis that are going to assure the outcomes I get. Things like. I've learned date nights. Oh, I thought it was date nights with my wife. No, it was date nights where I asked certain questions. Mm -hmm. That's how I got the value that I needed to get. Um, simple things like working out, simple things like tracking my food intake, like get had extraordinary value for me, you know? So those don't have to be yours, but what we help people identify and use the community to find really cool KPIs to get the outcomes we want. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And then, right, as you kind of look out on the, the future in dentistry and the future of organized dentistry and, and, and DSOs, do you, do you see them starting to promote this healthier work-life balance for practitioners? Is that something you see a shift taking place? They don't have really a choice. It's not the practitioners. In a sense, it's like it's society as a whole. And we're at this interesting inflection point. Right now, pretty much, it seems like every single day, the Harvard Business Review, HBR, is putting out another article about this work-life balance or personal happiness or lonely, like all these things. In other words, this space, this personal contentment space has become a massive work-related issue. And we're in this point of inflection where we're talking about it, but we're not doing anything about it. In other words, it's like, okay, that makes sense. I want you guys to be happy at work. I'm just not going to change anything to actually get there. And I still want to keep things the way they are. So I think our team members and our providers are going to force the hand on this. Hmm. Um, why did so many people leave dentistry during the pandemic and not come back? It's because they could go someplace that treated them with more respect and that got people leave jobs because their future, their ability to achieve what they want for themselves in the future is not possible through that job. That is the answer to every departure. I don't leave jobs because I wanted a different job where I was going to get paid more. No, I left because I felt like another job had a higher likelihood of getting me what I want for my life. Nobody mm -hmm. leaves just based on I didn't leave just because I had a bad boss. Because my future wasn't possible with this person inside it. That's like why we do things. So every work-related loss is a life issue, not a job issue. No matter what you think, our lives are the, like the fabric of what we do. So Tim, I think I don't think it's a choice. The smart dental companies and dentists as employers the smart ones are going to get on board and they're going to work with companies like us to build strategies that get outcomes for their people. And their, their people are on average going to leave less, but they're also still going to leave. And we're going to leave in positivity, not in negativity. We're going to leave in positivity that works for everybody. Mm -hmm. We're going to leave because I can't, I want to be an attorney and working in a dental office isn't getting me any closer right now. So let's create a plan to get me there. So you know, if you think about it, it's like a net win-win. People are still going to leave, but maybe not for the same reasons that they were, you know? Yeah. So, and that's what, isn't that what 
here's an easy question. Like, what would you want things to look like for your kids in an employment relationship? Do you want your kids to be held in place with 50 cents more per hour because they hate the job and it doesn't get them to their future, but I'm offering them another 50 cents every time they want, they whine, you know, is that what you want? Or do you want them to be like living like their purpose and living in the space that they love and enjoying what they do every day and feeling like they're getting what they want out of life because of working inside of this business? Yeah, of course, that's what we want for our children. Well, as the employers of the world, it's time for us to put our money where our mouth is and start like living it ourselves, you know? So that's, that's my call. Your question was, is the industry going to adapt? I don't think they have a choice, but I think that a lot, a lot aren't going to do it and they're going to end up with the same problems they have right now. Do I mean, dude, like I still work in the dental industry and like help people build large DSOs. Everybody is still struggling and losing sleep at night over recruiting employees at every level. It's only like the few and far between. They're like, Oh, I have enough. And they're just saying that for three weeks. Cause in three weeks they're gonna be like, I don't have any hygienists. And so, man, like this is going to be our journey forever until we as an industry get our crap right and start actually taking care of people. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. I, I love that. And I, and it's so true because, you know, in working with a lot of closely held businesses, family run companies, right. I've often heard the founders talk about their kids <laughs> taking off to go do something else. And the founders aren't upset. They're not mad. I can't believe my son's leaving me. They're like, no, this is totally appropriate. Like they wanted to go pursue something else mm-hmm. and they couldn't do it here. Yeah. And there's a joy in, in watching them launch to go do something else. And I think if you build that right kind of culture in your in your business and your practice, right there, there's an excitement when someone leaves. There's not that negativity because you're helping them go launch and do what they're meant for. Do you know what I love about what you're saying, Tim, too, is like like let's compare founders, CEOs and executives and like company leaders to entry level team members, employees. Right. Like um, and I mean. I built a lot of this system with the focus target market of those entrepreneurs and founders. But the truth is this all originated from in my own company in the way that I chose to serve my, my employees and people that are founders and CEOs, they have resources available to them. They have programs that can like guide them or, you know, coaches or counselors. Our employees often don't have any resources at their disposal. And as much fun as it is for me to serve one audience, you know, uh, the CEOs, the greatest joy for me is what I've done and how we use this through whole companies of 200, 400, 800, or a thousand to really serve all the team members. Right. Um, and those team members, when, when we'll meet with them, they'll be crying. You think, well, why are you crying? Because nobody has ever shown interest in my personal life and in helping me to be better or to become what I want to become. Everybody's just always treated me like an employee and some KPIs that needed to be hit. Nobody's ever cared about what happened inside mm-hmm. my life. Think about what the think about what the shockwaves of that look like through society. Imagine how different our world would be right now if we were taking these models like the One Life System and we were pushing them through our entire companies to give every team member from top to bottom the opportunity to build a plan for their life and the tools to be able to deliver it. That, I built so much of this just for my kids, helping yeah. them in school, helping them to organize their own lives, you know? Wow, can you imagine if we spread it like wildfire through there? We'd Ooh. be in a better place, Tim, at least that's my theory. 
we would have better businesses, better lives, and we'd have a better world because people would be finding fulfillment. And when you find fulfillment and when you can run towards that with your whole heart, it truly has an impact. And so, wow, Eric, such powerful, powerful things. Thank you for sharing so generously with us today. It has been, it's been a joy. It's a gift. My journey is um, a gift that was given to me for me to share with, with all of you. Well, thank you. And so any closing thoughts before we sign off here? How, how can we get in touch with you? How can we find you? Ah, a lot of ways. Um, Dr. Dr. Eric, E-R-I-C-J, Roman.com, R-O-M-A-N. Um, that's an easy way to find out about me. Um, you can actually find out through there some links to everything that One Life does. You can find out more about One Life. But um, but we also, like in coming hours, uh, you know, we have uh, www.thenumberonelifesystem.com uh, and One Life Leadership. And uh, go to the webpage, like learn more about it, learn more about what we do and how we operate and how we can serve you and the people that you love, how we can serve your business with the same essence of um, efficiency and effectiveness uh, to build fun, fulfillment and freedom for all your people. So, um, you know, thank you for letting me share uh, some of this message. And uh, that's how people can find me if they want to know more or they want me to come speak at an event or any of those things. I just I love to share and it would be a joy. Excellent. No, it, it comes through. And thank you for making that impact on a, on such a great industry. I think dental is one of the best and and entrepreneurs are the people who change the world. So let's keep changing the world and making it a better place. Amen to that, brother. All right. We'll see you all again here soon on the Dental Wealth Nation show. You've been listening to Dental Wealth Nation. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. Join us next time as we pull back the curtain to reveal the often hidden advice and strategies used by today's most successful individuals and families and help maximize your net worth so you can take even better care of the people you love. Till next time, make sure to hit the website at dentalwealthnation.com. 